We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a Hollywood acceptance speech. I'm so surprised! I had no idea! I'm not even prepared! Um, okay. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the progressive discounts that got me here. Safe driver, multi-car, paid in full, multi-policy. This is just such a big moment. And did I mention that I'm surprised? With all kinds of discounts, progressive helps you save. Oh, 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 and I want to thank my agent and all my discounts agents because we all have the same agent. Don't start the music! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. That day, of course, is February 17th, 2016. I'm DJ Trainer, joined as always on Wednesdays by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshHayesFS. You can find myself at TrainerDJ. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. You can also find the podcast on Rotowire's website itself at rotowire.com forward slash podcasts. Josh, we got some action, man. We've got some action yesterday, yeah. a three-team trade, mm-hmm. and then another two-team trade 
Overall, before we jump into those two trades, what's your pulse between now and Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern? Um, do you think that we're going to see a lot of action? My pulse normally stays around like the 85, 90 beats per minute, like okay. no matter what happens. Sure, sure. So I, f- I feel like I'm going to be even keel. You know what I mean? I'll only lose it if like DeMarcus Cousins gets traded or if they move him over to the two. You know, since he loves to shoot threes. And since, um, you know, I don't know, did you see that that quote from Greg Popovich talking about how he was letting players drop plays in an all-star game and the only play that worked was the ones where Cousins told everyone to go flat on the baseline. And he's like, everyone go flat on the baseline. I'm going to shoot it. All right. And he shot, the, he, he did it and he made the three. And he's like, that's the only play that anybody drew up that worked. <laughs> it's like, which would never be a San Antonio Spurs play. But um, yeah. So we've got some actually we got some rumors and we got some trades that are actually happening. And I, you know what? It feels like to me like there's like a crescendo of all these big names. And I and I'm hoping we don't get like a little like trombone at the end. Come like Thursday afternoon. We're just like, wah, wah, you know, but it, I, I, I'm about 50 50 if actually anybody's going to, you know, put their chips and their, you know, I don't know if are we allowed to say cojones? You know what I mean? Like, is I've, is that I've bad said, for the podcast? I've, I've said it in the past. I'll say it again. All right, yes. Yeah, so some GMs want to put their cojones on the table here and actually make a deal. So we'll see who's who's serious and who's not serious. So I think the one team to watch for sure, which will be an utter disappointment if they don't pull any sort of trigger, is the Cleveland Cavaliers with their $10 million trade exception and knowing that they need to do something roster-wise. At least get a shooter. Get somebody. You know, uh, you know, grab uh, literally anyone. Like, you know, Del Curry, somebody who can shoot the ball uh, for, for this roster. So we'll, we'll see what, what ends up happening. But I'm cautiously optimistic that something gets done but i'm also concerned that we get the trombone come thursday afternoon yeah that that's fair enough i i think that that is the case me and nick we do trivia on on tuesdays of course and i pulled out some of the biggest blockbuster trades of all time and all of those trades mm-hmm. occurred in the summer and so while it's fun to think we can have some massive mid-season trades and we still could i don't want to put a damper on anything Got to keep your real. Uh-huh. You got to keep your expectations in check because you never know. Although I will say it was nice to get a little buzz yesterday. Uh, yesterday being uh-huh. Tuesday, of course. Let's jump right into those trades, Josh. Let's start with more of the lackluster one. Lots of action, but you know nothing too too heavy is going to come out of it. Let me just break it down and I'll get your thoughts on it. Courtney Lee is essentially going to the Hornets. Then you have Chris Anderson and two second round draft picks in addition to PJ Hairston heading to the Grizzlies. And then you have Brian Roberts heading to the Heat. Essentially what you have here was a an acquisition of Courtney Lee and the way the assets stack up, it would seem that he is the most prized possession of this trade. Um, and in relation to the other players, I understand that. Um, but what do you think about uh, three teams involved in, in essentially shipping Courtney Lee out? You know what? I think it's um, – I- I'm going to give you a chance to recant your description of prized possession and Courtney Lee in the same same breath. 
their overall. That's like like saying, you know, when the uh, the pooper scooper guy shows up at my door and he he's finished with his box of poop that he scooped up, and I hand him a twenty dollar bill. Like like the box of poop is his prized possession. You know, it's just like really. I don't mean maybe he's he feels good about the job he did. But really, are, I mean, are you are you are you really impressed? There's, I mean, you you can take a some Krylon and spray some gold on Courtney Lee. You're still not going to you know feel like he's anybody's trophy in a trade. What this is is it's MKG going out for the season, and you know, and and, and PJ Harrison, who is just basically a non-factor overall for. Um, the Charlotte Hornets being moved for Courtney Lee, who's been who's basically turned to an, an, an expendable piece out there in Memphis with the you know the glutton of guards they have and and with Mario Chalmers and 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 the way they've uh, assumed the roster uh, sort of taking on a bigger role. So they were like, we we don't hey we don't want this guy. Hey, guess what? We don't want this guy. How about we trade the two guys that we don't want? You want to take our trash? Sure, we'll take it. We'll take your trash. That's sort of how I look at it. Not big time fancy impact. Maybe Courtney Lee gets a little bit of an uptick, but I'm not using him in DFS, and I'm not running out to the waiver wire in my season long leagues to grab him. So, so ho, ho hum. Yeah, yeah, here's why I'm a little disappointed with the trade. You know, Brian Riot, Brian Roberts, ho hum. PJ Harrison has been starting for that uh, Hornets team all season long until MKG came back for what was it? Not even ten games. Um, the thing that I'm a little disappointed about is that when you were talking about or anybody was talking about shipping Hassan Whiteside somewhere so that he could have a kind of a trial run for whatever team might want him, um, regardless of who's going to end up, in order to match contracts and for the team taking on Hassan Whiteside to not really hurt too badly, Chris Anderson was involved in a lot of those hypothetical deals because he has a $5 million contract for the rest of the year. But of course, that's expiring. And so... What this trade told me is that I don't think Hassan Whiteside is going to get traded because Anderson was a vital piece in making a potential trade for Whiteside anywhere happen. Yeah, I think that's a great point there overall. And I think it's just really an effort for Memphis to just step up their tat game. You know what I mean? They have a serious lack of tats on their roster. You know, Marcus is pretty clean. Zach Randolph is pretty clean. I think as far as I can tell, Matt Barnes is really the only guy holding it down on a serious level. I think uh, Mike Conley might have some Fleming basketball on a shoulder or something else like that. But, you know, if you if you're if you're going to sort of like, you know, up the up this street cred uh, level out there in the um, the the mean streets of Memphis, you're going to need like a boy like uh, like the Birdman to sort of give you some legitimacy. Yeah, no, uh, so I, I agree. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna call your team the grindhouse, we need to see some tats on those bodies. Um, yeah. In terms of the other players, I mean, I I mean, realistically, Josh, there's people out there wondering what kind of fantasy value does Courtney Lee have because it seems like he's gonna get the starting nod over Jeremy Lin, so it's gonna be a backcourt of Kemba Walker, Courtney Lee, Nick Batum. Do you think that Courtney Lee, and you know, don't laugh at this question, are you rushing out to get him on the waiver wire in some of your deeper leagues? Mm, not unless I have like a specific need for um, poor shooting <laughs> shooting card performance. <laughs> like I just I just don't see it happening overall. I mean, Kemba's going to get a bunch of shots, uh, you know, and then uh, I, I still think Nick Nicotum would be the like second in 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 line in that offense uh, there as well. If Al Jefferson ever makes it back into the lineup, there comes there goes like basically a, essentially the rest of the shot volume between those three guys, and then after that, then you have just you know fourth fourth man leftovers for Courtney Lee against once again. So th- maybe he, you know, ups the scoring a little bit. And he, he does have spots where he's become like slightly interesting, gone into a little bit of hot streak, put, you know, a nice little, 
near double double performance or something else like that. But I don't, I don't think that we re- none of us really need to go out of your way unless you're like a really deep 14 team league uh, and and above. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets accordingly. Yep. So what I would say is if you are in need of steals and three-pointers in a deep league, he is somebody to take a look at considering he's averaging one full steal this year and one one full three-pointer. Yeah, he's not the best of shooters, but he is shooting 46%, and that's I think it's technically just above league average. Uh, so for a shooting guard, it's it's not terrible, but you know we're only talking in the deepest of leagues. Of course, Chris Anderson will help out the Grizzlies in that they lost Marcus Gasol, uh, but he by no means will start. I think they're still starting Jermichael Green at center. Um, I would still say that uh, Randolph is is the guy to target if you think you you know if you're looking at Memphis's front court. I think Randolph is the guy that gets more touches there more so than anything else. Brian Roberts is just going to provide depth off the bench, and P.J. Harrison is just going to kind of fade into existence, essentially, uh, while playing behind Matt Barnes, trying to find minutes alongside Vince Carter. Uh, you mentioned it already, Josh. And so we can go ahead and move on to easily the more interesting thing that happened yesterday on Tuesday. That is Brandon Jennings and Ursan Ilyasova getting traded to the Magic for Tobias Harris. Now, coming into this year, Josh, we talked about the Pistons and we said their two, three, and four positions would kind of be in flux and we don't really know how they're going to start or how they're going to end, but bringing in Tobias Harris into this mix kind of shores up that two, through that, that two, three, four, where they have been using, um, uh, where they've been using uh, Stanley Johnson off the bench. Of mm-hmm. course, I'm just going to last on their names. Well, Urson, of course, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Marcus Morris. But now you have to think Tobias Harris is going to start at the four. You've got Morris at the three and KCP at the two. Um, do you think that this Detroit Pistons team got the better of the deal? And do you think they're going to get better as a team as well? Yeah. Hands down, they got the better of the deal. I know Tobias Harris has been uh, disappointing, uh, but I think some people made some pretty good points uh, on, on, out on Twitter as I was reading sort of like reaction to this trade. Um, this was probably a position that Detroit was going to try to upgrade somewhere in the offseason and went with the cap being extended uh, there, you know, t- uh, by a, a pretty sizable margin there. They p- could have gotten to a, like a potential bidding war for some sort of replacement similar to Bias Harris that probably would have cost them more. So now they don't have to bid against the rest of the league. They have a 23-year-old athletic uh, power forward who can you know play a stretch four, can play the three. Um, and um, they lock him up for what turns out now to be like a fairly reasonable deal given his his skill set and what he's you know done last season, not necessarily this season. I think that um, you, you Detroit does a little bit better job playing with a little bit more pace. That's just a personal guess without actually looking at the numbers. I probably should look at the numbers before I actually say that. But um, you know, Orlando, I think. Right now, they have a little bit uh, of a little bit uh, too many cooks in the kitchen between Victor Oladipo, um, Vucevic, Fournier, and Hizonia, who wants to get some shots there as well, and sort of just sort of expecting Tobias Harris to, um, you know, repeat that uh, level of production with what they've done with the roster. It may have been asking a little bit too much for them, so maybe he's not the the best piece. I think actually. Well, Aaron Gordon um, starting at the four and fr- trying to figure out some sort of combination between Fournier and Hazonia, um, y- y- uh, you know, p- playing uh, some, I guess, off guard or maybe some, maybe Fournier can play a little bit of the three there along with Victor Olipa would probably be a better combination offensively and then just letting um, Aaron Gordon do some of the dirty work there on the rebounding, blocking shots and, and, and doing some low block stuff because – uh, somebody has to, you know, step up into that role, and then they sort of had the same sort of um, 
glutton of resources, sort of uh, like we've talked about with Jabari Parker and the Milwaukee Bucks. Like you got all these people who have great skill sets, who can score, who can, you know what I mean, put the ball in the basket. Uh, but you don't have anybody who really wants to do the dirty work. And so they sort of alleviated that um, problem for Orlando. Now, on the flip side of that, they've taken, uh, I think, a, definitely a steep downgrade in talent. I hate Iliad. No offense to him as a, as a person. His, his game just sucks. OK, he's a, a, a stretch four who plays zero defense and is not an inconsistent, inconsistent performer on the offensive end and on the defensive end. So they've downgraded there, but they probably save some money and they can also cut Brandon Jennings. At the I think you, whose contract up is the end of the year. The interesting part of this for me personally, though, is that Brandon Jennings to me is a, probably even coming off the injury is the best point guard on this roster, which is why I went on Twitter yesterday and said, hey, if you, you know, uh, Alfred Payton's sort of been put on notice here. Go ahead and stash Brandon Jennings because you know you've already seen him being you know got getting benched for Victor Oladipo, who is, isn't even a point guard, which is sort of an indictment on uh, Alfred Payton's play. If they're willing to, maybe this is more of an effort to get Victor Oladipo going. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at some point if you see them, you know, give Brandon J- Jennings extended minutes because he's a better and more productive po- point guard at this point than Alfred Payton is in my mind. So, of course, I got lots of thoughts on that, and I'll start with the point guard talk. Immediately when I saw this trade, Josh, and I think I said it on yesterday's podcast uh, as we broke that live yesterday. <laughs> we, didn't break the, we didn't break the trade news live, obviously, but it happened while me and Nick Whalen were taping. What this means to me is that the Magic are looking to ship out Channing Fry, and we've kind of seen that already, that talk uh, bubble up, but... I, when any team that was going to acquire Brandon Jennings, I think had in mind that they were going to, you know, like an under the table agreement that he would sign with wh- whatever team he was traded to next year. And if that's true, I think that that means Oladipo or Peyton could still be on the trade block coming up before uh, before uh, Thursday. If not, you ride it out to the summer, and then Oladipo, Payton still on the trading block. But we might have a case where for the rest of the season, Alfred Payton, Brandon Jennings, and Victor Oladipo are fighting it out to see who is going to stay on this Magic team and who could be traded away in the case of Payton and Oladipo, or in the case of Jennings, just simply let go and not retain because his contract does expire at the end of next year. Josh, I want to throw it over to Tobias Harris. He is now the most expensive player on that Detroit Pistons roster, making $16 million this year. Next year, he makes 17.2. In 2017-18, he's back down to $16 million. And then in 2018-2019, he's making 14.8. And so at that point, the salary cap will be well adjusted by then, and his contract should be very valuable. So one of the many reasons why it seems like the Pistons got the better deal out of this, I will say, Josh, um, do you know who the second highest paid player is on this Pistons team this year? Oh man, without cheating, without I, cheating, you, just take a guess. If you would have just like talked for about twenty more seconds, I would have been. Oh, it's. Um, uh, don't say. Don't tell me Jody Meeks. No, that's a good guess. He's okay. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. He's the fifth most expensive player on that team because Marcus Morris has a really nice deal, um, of course. And then Andre Drummond, by the way, is is only making three point two million dollars, and he has a qualifying offer for four point four uh, next season. So he's still very valuable. Uh, I don't think you're. I mean, the the second most expensive player on the Pistons books this year is not currently playing for the Pistons. If that helps you. Oh wow! Um, 
not playing for the Pistons anymore, but they're still paying his salary. Exactly right. There was a decision that had to be made by Van Gundy. He decided. Oh just wait a to minute! Oh gosh, it's Josh Smith. Josh wow. Smith is the second most expensive player on the on their books right now at fourteen million dollars. Next year, he will be the third most expensive player coming in behind Reggie Jackson. So Josh Smith is barely making Josh Smith is making ninety seven thousand more dollars than Reggie Jackson this year. Um, and so that should tell you how ready Van Gundy was to get him out of town is that they're still on the hook for $14 million this year and next year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, you know what? And that was to, you know what? That sounds crazy, but I think it's actually the right move because he's such a bad like um, player, you know, like I, and, and like there's, I've never seen, I don't want to say so much wasted talent, but that's like a guy who really is, you know, can we say GTAF mode when he's on the court? You know what I mean? Is, is that okay? Yeah, I'm like, well, he's, I, like, he's a player without a position. And, you know, this was the scare with Kawhi Leonard to start Kawhi's career. It's like, where, where are you going to stick this guy? And Pop figured it out. Kawhi figured it out. But with Josh Smith, no, no team has really been able to figure out where he should be playing, how he should be playing, who the perfect combination al- that he should be playing alongside with is. Uh, nothing has really worked. Uh, out for for Josh Smith now essentially what he is is a raw raw guy on Houston who's trying to give them an identity and an edge yeah I just I'm I'm a little bit surprised that people still feel like I mean I'm not I guess I'm not that surprised that Houston still thinks that Josh Smith sort of of has some value because they are really like barren at at the power forward position I'm also sort of miffed and I don't say miffed but like Perturbs, not the, I guess mystified is the best word about has how Terrence Jones sort of just f- completely fell off the map. And now we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, I saw a uh, tweet from Basketball Insiders that uh, Terrence Jones is, you know, on the trade block for the Rockets. To me, I think he's still the best option. But I just don't know where he went from like, wow, this guy has like some serious crazy double double upside with you know and and like he looked like a better version of what josh smith used to be the first three or four leagues when he came into the league and then we just figured out that josh smith was never going to figure out uh, how to like decide when to win or when not to shoot a three-pointer or that he just shouldn't shoot three-pointers he's just going to be like uh, i'm gonna do what josh smith does you know which is um make bad basketball iq decisions on a regular basis on the court and so I don't know how Terrence Jones got from that from point A to point B, but it's been a like a mighty fall. I think somebody should really actually uh, step up and 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 sneak in on him and, and grab him, unless unless he's just sort of some sort of team cancer or, or headache that people don't like to uh, deal with, you know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. The power forward spot has just been in flux over the last couple of years, and like you said, Terrence Jones has been slotted in there just nicely, but. Houston has never been happy with him at the power forward. They've begrudgingly just trudged him out there. Right now you're seeing Trevor Reza start at the power forward while Corey Brewer, Corey Brewer Mark, uh, moves into small forward. And then, you know, they have Clint Capella, but Clint Capella and Dwight Howard on the court at the same time doesn't really work the way you'd like it to. Montrez Harrell is somebody maybe in a couple years who who could start at power forward, but he's not going to give you a lot on the offensive end. He's going to be very solid on defense and give you a lot of good rebounds all over the place. But um, the, the Rockets really haven't, you know, they don't like any of their power forward options whatsoever. Uh, going back to that trade, though, Josh, 
any lasting things you'd like to say about that? Uh, Ursan Ilyasova, I guess he's going to be, you know, their stretch four down in Orlando. Brandon Jennings, we kind of we kind of dove into it. It seems like uh, you can't keep all three, Victor Oladipo, Peyton, and Jennings on the same team together heading into next season. I will say that it's a different story for the rest of this year because they're firmly out of playoff contention. Uh, you know, for me personally, I think the way that I um, look at this here is Right. On the surface, bad trade for Orlando. Uh, they gave up the best asset, and they and they didn't get a pick back, and they didn't. Uh, um, they got potential salary cap relief, but you you know, you know, and I think maybe it makes more sense for what they want to do with their roster and getting Hazonia involved in, and 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 Aaron Gordon. But I just really like struggle to believe that this is the best you could have done. You know, it is is getting like I guess essentially damaged goods or people who um, may not look like the the best uh of returns for a guy who's 23 years old in tobias harris so remains to be seen if it ends up you know being a better thing for their team then i guess they did the right thing but uh, on on pure talent alone and what they got for the return it looks like detroit kind of fleeced them yeah uh things will we'll see how things shake out but i mean Ersan Ilyasova has never been coveted by anybody in this league, and it seems like uh, within about six months, that's all the magic could be left with after this deal. Um, so it's certainly, certainly right now, uh, you're right, Josh. I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, we're going to jump into some more hypothetical things as we will during this time each year. But before we do that, just want to let you know that just because there's not basketball on, not not because there's uh, NBA basketball. However, there is college basketball going on, and you can be a part of all that action for the rest of the season at DraftKings.com. Not sure if you've dipped into the college basketball realm yet, Josh, but I know we've uh, had some competitions here in the office, and we're it's a it's a nice little buzz. It's it's fun to play college basketball on DraftKings. Of course, you can do that yourself too. All you have to do is go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code RotoWire to play for free. Uh, DraftKings, of course, that's our official partner of RotoWire. Once again, that's promo code ROTOHOOPS or ROTOWIRE to play for free. Have you played any college basketball on DraftKings yet, or are you sticking with the uh, professionals? I'm sticking with the pros, man. I've seen some people jump in there with some of that college b-ball and, like, Benny with hockey, which I've been sort of, like, quietly mocking him about. I'm like, dude, you don't know hockey. He was like, I don't know, but it seems like if you play uh, this hockey guy, you could just make money every day. I was like, somebody stop Benny on Twitter. Right now, talking about some hockey picks when, like, you can't name five hockey guys. That's how much of a, like, DFS degen that he is, you know? Excellent DFS analysis for many for NBA, MLB, NFL, not hockey. But that's not going to stop him. This guy's, like, playing esports, you know? And he was... (laughs) We do have esports on the website now. By the way, um, if you do feel, you know, if you have an empty feeling in your heart, in your mind, in your stomach because you haven't been able to play NBA on DraftKings, feel free to go to rotowire.com forward slash pod, P O D. Get 10 free days to the website. And we have a lineup optimizer for college basketball, for NHL, whatever you want to use. So we'll help you out. We'll construct a lineup for you. If you don't like it, you can exclude players or lock in players. Try it out for yourself. Uh, I just ran the optimal lineup for tonight's college basketball. Got Brandon Ingram squarely in the lineup, so you know it must be a good one. He's one of those guys. According to Benny, you play that guy every night, you're going to win money. Um, <laughs> but we'll go ahead and move on here, Josh. Let's talk a little hypotheticals here. We don't have too much of a structure to this. We're just going to take some of the 
some of the rumors out there, the, the rumors that multiple people are talking about, um, one that just literally came through from Brian Getzleiser of SiriusXM, NBA SiriusXM, He's talking about, and you know, who knows? We're, we're just going to fall right into the rumor mill and have some fun with it for a few minutes here, Josh. Potential Reggie Jackson trade for Mike Conley. Um, what do you think about that from both teams? Obviously, Memphis is going to digress as the season goes on without Marcus Saul. Not a lot of youth on that team. Somebody like Reggie Jackson, who could be the cornerstone of their organization for the next few years, whereas you look at the Detroit Pistons, somebody that, in all honesty, could contend over the next couple of years. I absolutely love what Van Gundy is doing there. What do you think about Mike Conley on the Pistons? Let's start there. Um, I would like it if I thought it was a realistic chance of it happening there. I think <laughs> Memphis is stuck in like, um, like four seed purgatory or something like that. You know, like they're always going to be good enough to like be a playoff team, maybe be a top four seed, play excellent defense, get out of the first round of the playoffs and nothing more. The one thing that they need, they need a jimmy butler paul george type a super impact player like a better version of rudy gay who can actually impact the defensive end as well or is actually a better maybe even just like a slightly higher grade scorer and there's really Josh, just like a handful of those guys in the league isn't you know that is i mean isn't tobias harris not one of those guys right now but somebody who we thought would mold into one of those guys and maybe I'm, under the right tutelage he could be somebody like that a poor man's version of who you're talking about at the very you least know, you, you know what would be another like in the in either cheaper version that you could sort of come come to a conclusion for that may like would would potentially come cheaper i mean maybe not cheaper because orlando just took next to nothing for tobias harris but like if you if you can get the buck to pride like jabari parker and take just say hey Go ahead and just go nuts with the scoring, and you know, and and we, we'll figure out what you can do on the on the defensive end. That would even be like I would sort of feel like a little bit more optimistic because we know that he's been a like a high volume scorer in college, and that can tend to translate once you know, which is this is still essentially you know Jabari Parker's rookie year that he didn't even start the year completely healthy as. So I'm still I'm, I mean who knows how much more upside Jabari Parker has versus Tobias Harris there as well. But they're just not doing anything exciting. I mean Brian Roberts. You know, I mean take, unplugging a guy off your roster just to you know and unclutter the rotation or get a guy who get a, get a guy off your roster who's unhappy. You just lost your best player in 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 Marcus Soul. If you still think you you want to make a move for the playoffs. Make a real move, you know. Just holding on to your pieces just guarantees that you're going to be to be shaking the uh, Golden State Warriors' hands once you exit the playoffs. Come, come, you know, <laughs> April. That's a good. That's a good metaphor. Uh, a little more breaking news: Tobias Harris is going to wear number 34, and he will be playing. Expects to play Friday uh, against the Wizards. So we'll get to see this team dynamic. Right from the start, like to see that a whole lot. Another guy that's uh, been kind of bubbling up in trade talks, Brian Windhorse has reported this, that the Bulls have taken calls but are not actively shopping. So there's the difference. Pau Gasol. And from a fantasy perspective, Josh, if Pau Gasol goes out of town and let's just say they bring in a point guard. Uh, okay, so we're not talking about a point guard for point guard swap like we were in the last one where essentially they're just going to take each other's roles. Let's talk about excluding Pau Gasol from this lineup. From a fantasy perspective, what are you looking at? Yeah, so for me, I just <coughs> – well, Are you choked first, up about this? Are you choked up about Pau Gasol leaving 
Chicago potentially. <laughs> Sorry, I need, I need I need the whole DJ. I need some water thing. Yeah, I, I tried to power through it and it just didn't work. Um, Pau Gasol to me is like the X factor, the interesting piece. I, did we talk about this last week when we were like, hey, the Bulls have a roster that doesn't fit um, Fred Hoiberg's coaching you know yes. style yeah. yeah hoiberg likes to run guys out of the gym and of course the team that they have now is not necessarily built for that uh yeah. barring jimmy butler i think he can do that right pal gasol is not built for that you know who actually is sort of built for that is actually Dirk derrick rose you know or right. used to be anyway and since he can't shoot from the outside um maybe this is like the best single thing they can sort of do to get him out of that 13 points per game rut that he's currently in overall because they need him right now and they're still like I, I don't even know if the bulls can play bad enough to 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 like lose their way out of a, to- of a out of a top four seed they're just the east is so bad on the bottom end you know so like by hook or by crook they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to have to try to do something with this roster so they might as well go ahead and mix it up because Gasol, as productive and nice as he is, is not a good for not a good fit for this team at all. Uh, they need athletic guys. Bobby Porter's in the starting lineup would be a much bigger fit. I don't know if he's actually ready for prime time, um, but you know, it, like for what Fred Hoiberg used to do in college, he definitely makes a, a little more sense. Now, I just want to see what what sort of what kind of return the the uh, the the actual. Um, you know, Bulls can sort of get for Pau Gasol because he I mean he was a top five free agent, max max guy. Um, you know, I, I actually could see like Cleveland who has the potential to, you know, sort of upgrade from you know Tristan Thompson or Mozgov and have a ten million dollar trade exception are always interesting, but I never really feel like Chicago would ever want to give Cleveland anything. So that's the the issue that you have there. You know, I, and you know, them they could ship. Chicago sold to potentially to Houston, but like I don't think they want Dwight Howard back in a trade, and I don't know what the you know the rest of the pieces stink so bad. Uh, you know that what would actually probably work pretty well, and uh, which I think Cleveland should try to do everything they possibly can to do is like get Trevor Ariza. If Bulls pull Trevor Ariza and and actually you know ship Pagasol in pieces going back one or the other, that would probably make the most sense for them. I want I don't know if that's actually a, a reality, but Trevor Ariza should be on the short list for a lot of top teams trying to, you know, get themselves over the hump here. Um yeah, Trevor Ariza is, is is fantastic. Essentially, Trevor Ariza is the best parts of J.R. Smith and the best parts of Iman Shumpert rolled into one player. So you know, if you have him on the court, you're not worrying about giving up a little bit on defense or not having an option on offense. And so, ideally, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Trevor Reza would be awesome. Cleveland already has by far the the most expensive roster or payroll roster. So, uh, it, 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 I I don't know. It's just we, we talk about stuff like that, and I I completely agree with you. But man, they're spending a lot of money. It's just a lot of money for guys. You know, um, let's move on though to the Utah Jazz, and I think people are kind of sleeping on them. We've heard Trey Burke is really involved in trade talks, and that it kind of makes me laugh uh, because they're so thin at point guard. They have Howell Neto starting at point guard. They have Trey Burke coming off the bench, essentially. Then you have Alec Burks, who played some time at point guard, and Dante Exum, of course, is out for the season. But this team kind of feels like they're, they're one Jeff Teague away from ma- making a nice little push in the Western Conference. Now, obviously, that push isn't going to go too far, but my real question for you, let's just say that the Jazz do get somebody like a Jeff Teague. Um, 
does that elevate the game of Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward, or does a competent point guard on this Utah Jazz team actually hurt fantasy potential for both Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward since they do a lot of the ball handling? Yeah, you know what? I, I the, the no, the question for me here is like, what would you see coming back in in? The, we're talking about Jeff Teague to Utah, correct? Um, yes, yes, yes. So I think it's a great fit for Utah. The question is, is do they? What can Atlanta get back? Then they they could feel pretty good about. I I think that any deal that they talk about probably should include like Trey Lyles. That would be the first person that would I sort of be talking. I'd want Rodney Hood. I don't think I could get Rodney Hood um, um, back from them. But Trey Lyles is a young guy who has like some versatility, some upside. You know, will be under team control for uh, a few years w- with that contract. Uh, to me, uh, you, you get Trey, Trey Lyles and a, like a, a few other pieces off the Utah roster, then you have a, an actual trade that makes sense because you know he could he could play the three uh, uh, f- uh, for them if they end up um, moving on from Al Horford, they could play some small ball with you know Paul Millsap and Trey Lyles up front, and and even and then just uh, see how that uh, situation rolls out. And I think they also may be moving on from Kyle Korver. Um, um, whose contract I believe is either up this year or next year. Um, so there, he could have a natural position fit there um, to, to sort of fill in, slide Kent Bazemore over to the two and let Trey Niles play the three. So that's what I think would be an, a, uh, a good uh, sort of a good thing for both teams. And I, if that's what Utah needs to do, then they, sh- they should do it because their point guard situation is probably the worst in the league, I'll say. Yeah, I, I think it, it was the worst in the league even to begin with. Even if you had Dante Exum healthy, like hey, he didn't really help them out much at all. What he did was stand in a corner and not look stupid, and on defense he tried his best not to get shown up. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously he was a rookie and a very young rookie at that, but even if they had all their guys healthy, it's, it's just not an ideal situation whatsoever. I will say I just ran uh, a trade through the NBA trade machine, ESPN of course, Jeff Teague for Trey Burke and Trey Lyles, no other factors, and that works perfectly fine. Maybe Utah wants to throw in a draft pick or something like that to make it happen. So if Atlanta decides to blow things up, there's one there's one piece that may go somewhere else. We've talked about Kyle Korver. I know the Cleveland Cavaliers are very interested in him. Al Horford to Boston is also a potentiality. Um, let's look at this Atlanta team now, Josh. And the only one I'm really ready, willing to say that if Atlanta does decide to trade off some of their assets here, I have to think Jenna Schroeder is the first guy that's going to benefit because I'm, I'm thinking that if Atlanta does decide to move on from this current core that they have, Jeff Teague is going to be one of the first to go. Kyle Korver and Al Horford will probably be right behind them. Yeah, uh, uh, this has like the makings of like, full-on detonation for atlanta because i think they're sort of on record as saying they don't want to pay um al al horford max money and which you know i guess makes some sense but on the other hand he's one of the best players you have so if you're going to unplug that guy from your roster then what are you going to end up with you know and you know they've got paul Millsap uh there as well who's you know maybe uh you know the most important piece left off of that roster and then you then you have shooter the question is is like what sort of direction are you going uh with this team so if they're the other the other team too that like if you, if cleveland does not find a way to usefully make um uh, use of their trade exception and if atlanta leaves the trade deadline with jeff t on the rosters both those teams have failed as hard as anybody at the trade deadline so yeah uh, no, hope, 
Oh, sorry, Josh. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you at the end there, Josh. But I agree because you have Al Horford who has an expiring deal. He's only making $12 million. He's going to get paid by somebody after the end of this year. Uh, Ken Bazemore is another one. He's only making $2 million, and he's going to be making a lot more than that. So if you don't get rid of those two guys and they just walk in free agency, what were you doing? And at that point, if, you know, if you're ready to part, I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the contracts for the Hawks over the next three years. And they don't have any guaranteed contracts for 2017, 2018. So <laughs> it's not like you're saying, oh, you know, we have a cornerstone of our franchise. I, I think some picks and some nice young players is, is kind of where this Hawks team should head in the direction of. He had a great year last year, um, as good as it's ever going to get, in all honesty, with this core, right? So the first half of last season is is the max potential, and you know what? It didn't work out. You had no shot of making the, the championship, even when you reach your max potential. So you're right. I think Bazemore, Horford need to go, and if you're going to do that, I don't know why you wouldn't um, put all your focus on Dennis Schroeder and away from Jeff Teague. Yeah, I totally 1,000% agree with you. So let's just make it happen. Why are you waiting for it? Why do we have to wait till Thursday? Yeah, make it happen already. Uh, Um, uh, One thing I want to throw out you really quickly before we move on to the rest of the stuff here. Uh, Somebody tell me why Indiana isn't trading for Lance Stevenson. I mean, he's like the only time he's ever been like remotely productive and like – fantasy or relevant or relevant in the NBA in general was when he was blowing in the ear of LeBron James as an Indiana Pacer, you know? So I say bring back the blow year, you know? I, uh, I agree with you. I think he's the best fit out there. The only problem is, uh, you know, they Indiana offered him a deal. They did want him to come back, apparently, and he rejected that. And their response was, oh, okay, sure, fine, whatever, see you, man. Like they, I mean, they they wanted him back, but they didn't really like lust for him. You know what I mean? They, they he was, should lust for them. I know he should lust for them. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, Monte Ellis and Lance Stevenson on the same team—that seems like a backcourt yeah. of horror to me. I don't know about that though. Well, you know what? Uh, and I know that Paul George was sort of like opposed to this, but I say let's do it anyway. I say Paul George stretch four, Miles Turner up top. All right, Lance Stevenson blowing in the ear of, of opposing wings at the three, and Monte Ellis at the two. Make it happen, you know. George Hill up at the point. That's that's a that's a roster that at least would be interesting for the playoffs. You know, you're like, well, okay, there's talent at all five positions. Maybe they're not the best defensively, but you know, when Lance Stevenson remember was like sort of betting on him for this off season, so like, oh, I'm I'm not going to take the 46 million when I can get max max money and you know has no chance to rebuild his value there in in the clippers i I would take a buyout at this point and then go like just drop my suitcase on larry bird's doorstep if i was lance stevenson at this point i agree i I think that's where he should he should be you know positioning himself to move Uh, we kind of hit the top topics uh josh again in about 24 hours we're gonna figure out everything that's gonna happen or not happen um i'll just lay out some more some more teams and topics here and then you just pick and choose what what interests you because we are kind of wrapping this up here boston celtics obviously have a whole lot of picks and a lot of a lot of assets they can move although they've been very quiet unless they're going to go for al horford i'm not sure that they're even going to do anything um milwaukee bucks of course they have told reportedly from mark stein that 
MCW is safe. They want to retain his efforts, but that doesn't mean that OJ Mayo and Jared Bayless are safe. Those are two veterans that could help out somewhere else around the league. And then I'm looking at this Washington team as the as the kind of third one that's not super exciting, but maybe they want to move on and give somebody to help John Wall, or maybe they want to get rid of Marcin Gortat and bring in another center like Al Horford or Hassan Whiteside or really anybody else at all. Um, out of those three options, which one interests you the most? Um, out of those three, so Boston, Washington, and then Milwaukee. Oof. I think Boston is easily the most interesting because they yeah. can make a monumental something happen. But mm-hmm. I think that you know they don't have to do it this year. They don't even have to do it next year. They could just kind of sit sit around for a couple years and then decide what to do. Yeah, you know what though for for Boston too. I I, I said this about them when the with the whole like Kevin Love, Carmelo Anthony three team trade rumors with Boston was going on. It's I think that Danny Ainge loves his roster, his coach, and his team just a little bit too much for them to pull the trigger on guys. And so they're going to keep they're going to have all these. How many picks do they have? Do they have like seventeen of the first thirty picks in the first round next next year? It's pretty ridiculous. Right. You wonder if they should just like even just get one guy off the bench or like a seventh or eighth guy off the bench just because. The amount of picks they have is is almost ludicrous. Yeah, I'm like, what are you going to do? You're a three seed. Like, who's going to crack this roster right now? Who did they draft? Was it was it uh, Terry Rozier uh, in the draft? There has anybody seen that guy? I, I saw. I think I saw him like on a milk carton or something for the Boston Celtics. Like, you're such a good team right now with a solid rotation, w- with the exception of the fact that you're unable to acquire a top flight power forward or center. You know. Um, that I don't know what you're going to do. Ship one of those picks and go get Pau Gasol or somebody, anybody. You know what I mean? This, Denny Haynes needs to stop sitting on his hands and because you know what he's going to do? He's going to be like, you know what? We almost beat the Cavs. <laughs> That's what every, he's going to be saying just like everybody else. You need to make a move. All of you teams who are not the uh, Warriors – uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, and the San Antonio Spurs. If you're not one of the big four, you're on the outside looking in, and you should be pulling the trigger on something either to get some get younger, clear some salary cap space, get some picks, or to get a, get yourself a player that puts you makes you an interesting uh, team into the mix. And that goes for Toronto as well, who's sort of like you know sniffing their nose at guys like they think that they're set because they're they're the two seed, you know. The, the two seed is the first loser in the East, in my mind, when it comes down to the Western <laughs> Conference. Line. Yeah, no, exactly right. Two seed is the first loser. Um, real quick before we jump into some breaking news and wrap this thing up, Josh, remember that earlier in the show I mentioned Brian Getzleiser, who, who, who proposed that Conley and the Reggie Jackson trade was being talked about. John Hollinger, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies VP of basketball <laughs> operations, commented right. on that tweet. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. already seen it. LOL, keep trying, bro. You'll get one of these by blind luck eventually. So that's uh, that's some horseradish right there. Lots of good memes after that tweet, like go get him, finish him. Uh, wow, yeah. I mean, the, the reality that's is... What happens when you don't, like, source check? Or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you could, uh, you know, apparently if John Hollins was willing to weigh in on Twitter, you could have maybe potentially checked in with him as a right. reporter or a source and... <laughs> And rather than putting that out there in the stratosphere for him to swat like Kemi Mutombo. So I will oh. say – oh, yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I want to jump in really quick here before you talk about the injury news because I think that I want to get your take on this. And it's not trade deadline related, but it is trade related. Yes or no, do the Warriors acquire Kevin Durant in the offseason here for 2016? <laughs> 
me and Waylon say we're going to talk about this on every pod, and we keep pushing it off because we're going to. We're talking about so, it right now. We're going to have so right many now. months to talk about this. I say yes. I mean, I say yes. They go for it. I mean, why not? Harrison yeah. Barnes. Like, you, no, let's so, not. Let's uh, no, not. I know you, well, they're they're going to go for it. That's not the question. The question is, Kevin Durant take a contract to play um, with you know the Splash Brothers? Does he become the you know the Splash Brother number three or the the the, the Splash Uncle? I mean that's I mean that is an all-star team that could easily be the Western Conference all-stars um, minus whatever five they're going to run out there which would probably be Festus Azili or Andrew Bogut could be me could be you it doesn't matter who plays a five anymore if they get Kevin Durant you seriously know I, mean? I agree I mean you're, we're talking about one of the best players of the last ten years last twenty years maybe if you want to go back that far um, so. I mean, just just call in the books. I mean, Boston is going to be the most important team um, because they're sitting on so many picks at that point. If that happens, then get out of here. I mean, the rest of the league, let's just call it a day. But does the, he do it? That's the question. Does Kevin right. Durant join the Warriors? So that's that's the real question here. It's not whether the Warriors should do it or not and mess up their team dynamic. We're talking about Kevin Durant here, and he's very good on the defense too. Like he's he's lanky. He can defend. We're not talking about giving up a whole lot from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant on the defensive thing. So this 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 load of this load of junk about they're going to mess up team dynamic by bringing in Kevin Durant. Get out, Get out of here. Get out of here with that. Stop that. Yeah. It's whether you know or not what? Durant wants to do it. And does he want to pull LeBron or not? Does he want to turn in into a little bit of a villain or not? That's essentially – but you know what? Shouldn't we like praise a guy for wanting to win a championship and actively try to find ways to win a championship on and off the court? No, so there will, there will be no praise. I'll tell you what. Oh, for, right. First of all – if you're doing it, you're doing it because you're, it, people are automatically going to rip him for bandwagoning onto the onto the top team in the league, who's very good, has a very good shot to be two time champs. The only way it becomes interesting is if Cleveland or somebody else actually beats them, or maybe if by some crazy, uh, you know, turn of fate, like Oklahoma City eliminates Golden State in the playoffs, then. You know, they would. I, first of all, then it would just be sort of crazy because to see Kevin Durant be like, "Oh yeah, we just beat Golden State. Now I'm going to go join Golden State." So that would sort of throw a uh, monkey wrench in it and everything. But let's say, like, just perfect scenario: Golden State wins. Go, Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors. There's going to be so much like league-wide hate for him joining the champs. Okay, and then there's actually going to be people like Golden State are like the darlings of the league. People are going to start hating Golden State for being like for having an embarrassment of riches. And I think like Adam Silver, I don't know if you saw him like in the, I, I don't know if it was a press conference or an interview that he was talking about. He was just like, when we came up with this pl- collective bargaining agreement, we did not account for the effect of like such prosperous league growth that, you know, top teams in the league would be able to afford, you know, even bigger talent and sort of make it work within their rosters. We sort of figured out the cap would be like this and teams wouldn't be able to afford more than two superstars. And this sort of like makes it all possible. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm actually kind of rooting for it to happen. And, but in other ways it'll be really sad because, you know, who's going to beat the Warriors with that team? Like they're already destroying teams by 20. And then, you know, now we have to watch the rest of the league sort of hope they can compete with that roster. It would be really, really tough to, to watch. The only thing I will say too, is like, I hope if this does happen, the only like positive benefit of this is that like everybody on both sides, like all the rest of the teams in the league, aside from the Warriors and even players like in, you know, in the union are going to be like, all right, we have to change the CBA to make it. So, teams like OKC and teams who 
draft their own players can you know franchise tag them or or make it so prohibitive or so more advantageous for them money wise to stay home because right now everybody's like the money isn't that much different i'll just go join the championship team you know so uh either way things need to change and um i think all hell is going to break loose if he actually does join the warriors yeah one thing i'll say about this is over the next five years we're going to have a weird dynamic in the cap where um you're going to have half the players in the league on the old ratio of the cap and then half the players on the new ratio. And that's going to allow for certain situations where Kevin Durant could join a team and you're going to have a super team for a certain five years. We just have to wait it out. And so at some point in five years or so, you're going to have the market come back to normal and everything will be equalized. But we're, you know, just sit down, buckle up for an interesting five years. That's all I got to say. And there's really so, no way, there's no really no way around that. It's just the market will adjust in due time. So your final call, feet to the fire, in X number of months, is Kevin Durant wearing a Warriors jersey? Yes or no? No, I think he's going to sign a two-year deal at the end of this year uh, with the latter year being a player option. And so what that will do essentially is he's going to match up contracts with Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka. So they're going to run it back next year one more time. And then, you know, he can have a heart-to-heart with Russell and say, do we both want to stay in OKC together? Of course, maybe they could have one or two championships at that time this year and next year and then and then figure it out that way. But I think they've got a good thing going. The only thing that's really stopped them from winning championships over the last four years has been injuries to Westbrook, Durant, or Ibaka. Otherwise, and Sam Presti. And Sam Presti, yeah. Sam Presti trading away James Harden. I think that's a bigger reason than anything else because that team already made the finals and he I, shipped them. I don't, I don't know, man. I, sure, sure it was a big deal, but uh, they couldn't see eye to eye and it was only you know a beef about a million dollars. And so there was a little more to that than, than just saying – you know, here's one more million dollars. But I, I think that this is still a championship contending team, and I don't know why Durant would walk out on that over the next two years. Um, so I think he'll be you, in a. You do know why? Because he can t- he can go get a ring with the Warriors. You could join the best team in the league and maybe create like a Boston Celtics dynasty for the next ten years. They're all so young. Now let me ask you this: Did you answer that question as an OKC fan? Or did you try to set your unbiased opinion? Because I forgot who I was talking to for a second before I asked you this question. Well, now, let me say this. You didn't answering me... with your heart, or are you answering as an unbiased no. fantasy analyst of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast? Unbiased. I think that he's just going to do one more year and, and run it back next year, and then he'll assess his options. And so if they didn't win a championship you know, this year or next year, then – you know, by all means, go do whatever feels right to get yourself a championship. If you truly want to be one of the best players of all time, that's what you have to do to do it. Here's the thing that is really going to come off like I'm not a Thunder fan and like I am just an analyst is if he decides to join the Warriors and it's legally possible in our legal system, it's possible for him to do that. How dare us chastise him? How dare us say, you know, put in all the work, break your back, come back from injury to win a championship, but you better do it the way we want you to. You know, if he can join a team where he's going to do that, how dare anybody challenge that? You know what I mean? Well, you know, I don't, you don't have to understand why. It's because people feel like it's like the New York Yankees just buying up players and then just sort of playing, you know, playing dirty. 
Yeah, I was like, this is not what the NBA is supposed to be, just like people creating all-star teams and, you know, and people are going to hate Kevin Durant for that and start hating the Warriors for that as well. So the same way that everybody who wasn't a Miami Heat fan hated the Miami Heat when they created the big three, you know, it's just going to people feel like they already know who's making the finals before the season started and they were right and it stinks. That's the part of the problem. You know, the war is already the best team in the NBA and then you're going to, you know, lavish them with, you know, a two to a former MVP, two time uh, NBA scoring champ. It's bordering on ridiculous. So I, I don't blame anybody who feels that way. And, they're, and it's sort of the league's fault for um, allowing this to happen and not giving, you know, teams like Oklahoma City enough ammo to keep their own guys. So they're, yeah. they're uh, on the flip side of that. I did hear that he loves DeMarcus Cousins and Sacramento is a good place to raise a family. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> no, man, we're we're in a we're going to be in a weird 4 to 5 year funk where there's going to be somewhat somewhat loopholes and we shouldn't discredit Golden State for accruing a roster of guys at a at a reasonable price. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The only problem is is just, you know, haters going to hate, man. Exactly. Just like the every- you know, haters are going to hate you. You would love it if it was your team, but since it's only one team and not the other twenty-nine teams, Venom is going to come from all areas. If if uh, Kevin Durant joins Golden State, and I kind of want it to happen, you know, just so like uh, it's going to suck for like NBA competition, but uh, on on the flip side of that, like you know, you're going to see like just people going out of their way to just trash and smash the Warriors for, you know, creating a super team, a team that could just, their own roster could play for Team USA. No problem. Yeah, it'd be interesting because Durant and Curry are one of the more likable and one of the, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, I want to say more personable because I'm not sure. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Curry's going to, but yeah. yeah, Curry and Durant are going to – well, Durant has already been a little bit of a polarizing figure with some of his run-ins with the media. But all of a sudden, Curry is going to go from like league darling to be to be like, we hate you, Golden State, you know? Or like he's going to have to deal with what you know LeBron and Wade and Bosch dealt with when they joined up. People thought they – you know what? And the stupid thing about it too is like super teams have been going on for a while, for right. a while. The Boston Celtics did it when Shaq and Kobe teamed up and they had their you know, embarrassment of riches. They had like, you know, it's not the same thing, but Carl Malone and Gary Payton just sort of just jumping on the team. So try to, to uh, you know, exactly grab, right. grab a ring, Pau Gasol, all that. The, these teams, there was plenty of super teams across the years. Some of them just got, some of them happened via trades and some of them were built more naturally, you know? So I, I don't really, uh, and you know, the, buy into the whole like, oh, this is all of a sudden unfair. But regardless, people are, are going to super hate if he makes it over to Golden State. The funny thing is that as far as super teams goes, if if he does join Golden State, that will be the most naturally or the most natural occurring super team that we've probably ever had in NBA history, I would say. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that would be probably the best team in NBA history on paper. Right. And so and it just well, occurred the best team. Just, it's probably the best team in NBA history right now. So it just became the better. This is what I'm talking about. We're going right. from like best team of all time. I, I mean, I actually bet money for them to win 73 games or more this season. You know, and I don't know if you saw that ESPN graphic that they've been posting up. But they said, you know, Warriors are favored in 26 of the next 20, 25 of the next 26 games or 26 of the next 27. With the only them being as projected dog would be the Spurs. And I bet you that line would change if they end up you know, running the table to, uh, on some level between now and then so we're talking about going from you know probably a good shot at uh, repeat champion unless the Cavs make a significant move here in the next day or a team that turns into the 60s boston celtics where they just hang a string of banners in one decade 
it could really get insane. And I don't, I don't, with you know, no end in sight. So uh, the only thing that I think think on the flip side of that that it's going to happen is it's going to sort of create like a chain reaction. Like you're going to see the Warriors do that, and the Cavs are going to have to end up trying to make a, a, a find a way to get mellow or get you know uh, get their version of uh, you know the next uh super player that wants to join their their squad um as well some some other t- Cavs are most likely candidates to counter that with their you know um uh added weapon that they can every if everybody can't play with steph curry they're going to want to play with lebron for sure so uh we'll see how that ends up shaking out oh, james harden to the Cavs. <laughs> now we're re- now we're really diving deep into the rumor mill uh josh let's finish it up here we do have real live nba basketball happening on thursday there are a few games uh let's jump into some breaking news in terms of injury two chicago players of note here taj gibson with his foot injury will play in thursday's matchup against the cavaliers Nikola Mirotic with that appendectomy has yet to be cleared for on-the-court work and is still several weeks away from returning. I will say he was present at Chicago's practice today. Uh, Mike Dunleavy also participated in two scrimmages, I believe, that they had today as well. So Taj Gibson on the court Thursday against the Cavs. We have some DFS action back in the game. What do you think about him? Uh, for Taj Gibson, is, 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 the, is the question about? Yep, Taj Gibson starting at power forward, of course, alongside Pau Gasol. Is he he's somebody- actually been, yeah, he's, yeah, well, I know, you know, they've got Pau Gasol, I mean, they've got Noah out, and they've got Meritich out, and, you know, so that's that that's supposed to open up the minutes, but you know what we're seeing is Taj Gibson's not living up to that contract that he sort of got paid, he was sort of getting paid, like, at the time, like a, like a starter who was super, uh, like, um, you know, effective as their six men off the bench. And now we're sort of realizing that he's a little bit of a bum crusher, you I, know, like I agree. Was, if you look at he his did last damage. Game. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was just going to say he was very good at doing damage against like, you know, um, eight man rotations and six men off the bench and, you know, against the other team's second unit. But like once he gets put into the, 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 the starters unit there, it's all it sort of disappears where, I mean, he's not even in, able to average a double double. So I'm actually a little bit disappointed overall. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. I will say, over his last nine games, 8.9 points, 7.9 rebounds, just like you alluded to, Josh, on 32 minutes. That's a lot of minutes to not be averaging a double-double. However, uh, they played on January 3rd, the Bulls and the Cavaliers did, and he had 15 and 8, so a little bit better there. Maybe it just get, maybe playing against the Cavs get, gets him going for whatever reason. All that being said, you're right. You, you think he's always been a guy over the last couple of years when seeing enough minutes he'd, he'd put up the production. Hasn't been the case of late. We'll keep it moving here to everybody's favorite team. And everybody's favorite coach, Lakers coach Byron Scott, indicated that he's hopeful Larry Nance, with his knee injury, will be able to resume practicing practicing with the team Wednesday. However, we've really seen Julius Randle take on uh, a bigger role with the team. Do you think that Larry Nance will be able to slide his way back into the starting lineup or, more importantly, slide his way into major minutes like he did in the first half of the season? Probably because Byron Scott's an idiot, or he's actually smarter than we give him credit for, or he's getting direction from Jim Buss to play um, the ping pong ball game and not the best players in the lineup because it really doesn't make any sense of it as to why else Larry Nance Jr. would be starting over Julius Randle. He's not more talented. He's just a worse option 
you know, and when they force the worst option uh, into the lineup, then then you have to sort of like question why this is happening. People want to talk about Byron Scott as a bad coach, and he and I'm not really impressed with him there. But it just definitely doesn't seem like he's trying to put the best roster out there to win games. Completely agree. So we'll keep it moving to Allen Anderson of the Washington Wizards. He's coming off that ankle injury, and he could return to game action by the end of the week. There's been some talk about him earlier in the season that he could be an integral part in their offense or their team in general. I think that's a a whole load of smoke, but in terms of fantasy, I'm very curious to know if that's going to take minutes away from Jared Dudley or if it'll take away minutes from Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre. What do you think about Allen Anderson coming back into the rotation, um, considering that he has not played any time yet so far this season? Only interesting if there's another injury and he actually works himself into like a healthy enough role to be improved because we know that uh, Bradley Beals had a track record of getting injured and, you know, not really that impressed by Garrett Temple or, or Gary Neal or anybody else they've had in the lab. He's been productive in spots, but to me, he's just like another blah player. To me, the the, the most interesting thing of, of this whole situation for me personally is um, Kelly Oubre. I don't know. Have we talked about Kelly Oubre at all? No, you you did that last week, though. I remember that. Okay. Well, Kelly, tell me if I'm wrong about this, all right? Um, are you familiar with Casey and JoJo? No. Jodeci. No, I'm not. Oh, man. Never mind. You're just you're such a baby. I just want to go over to Madison right now and rip the diapers off. I can't <laughs> believe every time uh, you make me feel so old, I talk about some of these guys who aren't that old. You're like, who? Who? Okay, just right. never mind. Sorry. Just never mind. Well, I've got something that might cheer you up. Oh, well, not this shouldn't cheer you up. Tobias Harris will not start for the Pistons in the first three games. He's part of their team. Anthony Tolliver will likely start. So there's a last bit of news there. We'll, we'll finish it out, though, here with Tiago Splitter. Josh has elected to undergo season-ending surgery on his right hip. Of course, mm-hmm. he was averaging 16 minutes per game. So those 16 minutes have to go somewhere. And I'm looking at Mike Mascala and Walter Tavares, although I'm thinking more of the minutes will be going to Mascala. Any interest there considering Mascala was already averaging 11 minutes per game? Um, what about Mike Scott? Do you think Mike Scott could be in the mix? That wasn't yeah, the first name right. that I thought. Yeah, no, you're very right. And I love Mike Scott from a DFS standpoint. He's already backing up Paul Millsap, but if – you're, you're completely right. He's averaging 15 minutes per game. He know You know that he can get production when he's seeing time on the court. Let me get his per 36 minutes here. So for every 36 minutes he plays, projected out 16 points, 6 rebounds, 2.5 assists. So not not terrible for Mike Scott. Yeah, I can see that, that for, like, overall, um, you know, to me, like, he filled in in spots. I know when they were sort of injured there with uh, some of the injuries they had last year, and he, I think, was it was a Horford or Millsap that went out for a little bit of an extended period of time. He was the guy who sort of filled in admirably. So he would be the only person I would be really interested in. Not not as interested as in Muscala or, or anybody else that we, they would really have to offer if they, if it's if it's not Mike Scott picking up the or getting bumped up to like um like twenty minutes per game or so. All right, Josh, that's going to do it for breaking news, and that's going to do it for us here on this Wednesday Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Of course, I'm going to ask Josh one more question to fade into Thursday with. Now, excluding the Sacramento Kings and everybody that plays on the Sacramento Kings, by this time tomorrow, and of course it's 2 Central, 3 Eastern on this Wednesday, what player do you want to see on what new team in 24 hours, Josh? 
Um, I'm going to go back to – I want to see Trevor Ariza on the Cleveland Cavaliers and sort of like give them some ammo to make it interesting because everybody feels like it's going to be Golden State-Cleveland, you know. So let's just make it the most interesting matchup possible. I would really like to see that. Or like just for like bonkers' sake, I would love to see Dwight Howard for, you know, Anderson Vergeau and a trade exception or something like that oh just to make gosh. it super be, crazy. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, but it makes more sense for them to try to get Trevor Ariza. I don't know if they can. I think they. I think a Trevor Ariza for like Iman Shumpert and maybe the trade exception or, or picks or something else like that would be interesting enough. I don't know if they can do it, but I would like to see it happen. All right, fair enough. My answer would be I want to see Jeff Teague on the Utah Jazz, and I want to see Teague, Rodney Hood, uh, Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert, and Derek Favors. I like that starting five a lot. Um, so that's what I would like to see. We'll keep wishing and hoping until then. Enjoy what hopefully will be a busy end to this trade deadline. Thanks so much for joining us. See ya. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.